Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right, you out there, where you can go to patreon.com slash blue shirts breakaway to support the podcast. Our Discord's been bumping, everything's been great, and I know we're in the offseason right now for the Rangers, even though it's uh, a couple days till we get back just here. But we have a nice and fun show. Greg and I talk about players we think are going to get traded, uh, Niels Lundqvist, talk about Kravstov, talk about a ton of stuff, and also Jesse Marshall joins to talk about the Penguins. A very good podcast. Let's get right to it, shall we? Here's Mark Messier. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway, welcome to the week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Gregory, say hello. I am now a big short track speed skating guy. Uh, so you like cheating in the Olympics, just like Tampa Bay uh, Lightning? Cheating? No. I don't know if you saw. The they're, they're throwing pucks at skates and stuff. I saw a clip on. A clip oh, I on. saw that. I saw, But that lady got, the lady who threw it got disqualified, so it's fine. It's, <laughs> so it's totally cool. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's like the only things people like about NASCAR is the crashes. I like when they the go left. People, it's like, it, this is great. It's just, it, it's hockey, except, you know, like the New York Rangers, nobody's scoring. They're just knocking each other Jesus over. Jesus Christ. Oh, uh, boy, we have a, an interesting episode uh, oh to go into. The, not, not, no hockey, as you know. Uh, no Rangers hockey. Chris Kreider did uh, become the third fastest person in the skating contest, beating Connor McDavid. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I have something embarrassing to admit. I did watch a lot of the All-Star Skills competition on Friday night. And I know we talked. I watched none of it. I know we talked shit about it, but I, I had a good time. And uh, the Zager goal is unbelievable. Like one of the coolest things I've I've seen in the NHL in a long time. That guy needs to be uh, face of this league stat immediately. Like let's make that happen. That kid's fucking awesome. All right, now we can move on. Uh, yeah. Speaking of moving on, did you know mm-hmm. there is a racehorse named Messier? I saw this because of he... your Twitter today. Yes. Yes, he would be a potential Kentucky Derby favorite, but because his trainer is the cheat Bob Baffert, he will not be allowed to run. Well, who is Bob Baffert? Bob Baffert's the guy that dopes all his horses. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I don't a, know if there's a, a common knowledge. That Messier himself is not exactly clean, and I do the air quotes in podcast form. But uh, because he has Ranger ties, I have to say that this is a great injustice, mm. and then I can move on. Got it. Okay. We've we've covered a lot of this podcast so far. The skills competition, Chris Kreider skating fast, actual speed skating. God, what doesn't this podcast do? Whew. 
probably be good. Probably be a good podcast. That's probably the one it doesn't do. Um, let's yeah, get well, let's get right to it. The trade deadline is looming. It is. Uh, we are a month away. A month and a week away. What is it? March fourteenth. I should probably know this. I'll double check it in a second. But I believe we are a month away uh, for the trade deadline. And Chris Drury has a lot of work to do. You and I have talked about this extensively. I think it's important. March 21st, by the way. There we go. Uh, so we're actually almost six weeks away as we're recording on February 7th. Very fun. Leave it Leave it to the NHL to try to set their trade deadline during March Madness when everyone is definitely paying attention to hockey. The NHL is the best, man. They're great. <laughs> uh, they, they, some of the stuff that's come out with the Blackhawks and other organizations over the past couple weeks, man, I'm like, man, can this sport have a good story? Like, can they, can the NHL do itself a favor? Like, I, I don't know. It never does. It's crazy. In, in the, boy, hold on. I need to, I need to know for sure. Selection Sunday is March 13th, right? Oh, so man. all it's, you it's have opening to do, weekend, March Madness. No way. All you have to do is make the deadline the 14th, right? Allow Selection Sunday to happen. Then you get to own Monday and be the last big sporting event before March Madness begins, right? Yep. And the NHL's like, no, 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 no. We're going to wait. We're going to wait for people to really give a shit about their I guess to be fair, I'd like to give the slightest of credits to the NHL. It's, uh, if you want to call it that, it is on the Monday where there is no games. That's correct? Like that. You are only obsessed about your bracket on that Monday, though. That's true. But the Monday after Selection Sunday, you're, you're at least not exactly – a thousand percent invested in who's beating who, what matchups you really well, they, like. They, they had to avoid Valentine's Day. Very important day for all hockey fans. You love how the NFL just didn't give a shit about Valentine's they Day? They didn't care at all. <laughs> they, they couldn't give a shit less. That's okay. Um, yeah. All right. So I guess you do avoid the Super Bowl hangover if you do that at the 14th. Whatever you want to call it. Who cares? Oh, you're saying they should have made the deadline. I don't think they should have made the deadline now, but March 1st, March, March 8th. Any any other day in March, just don't try to do shit. I, I don't March know why 10. I feel like it's a late deadline this year. I feel like the deadline should because I guess because the NBA one is this week. Well, it's a late deadline because you know every the, NHL team wasn't supposed to be playing right now, right? Because of the Olympics. This isn't just supposed to be a Ranger pause. This is supposed to be a league wide pause. I know, but everyone's going to play to make up games except for the Rangers, who are going to be well rested and ready to go. Uh, and you and I have been talking about maybe making a trade early. And the more and more I, I look into this, Greg, and the more and more I look around the, the the league, I just think, I can't believe I'm saying this, we're still like five weeks away from a trade happening for the New York Rangers. And, and that feels like an injustice uh, to fans. And it feels like the stupid move. But the more and more I get a read on the situation, the more and more I think that Chris Drury is going to wait till the last second. So, and and you've seen the, how the NHL does business. There was one offseason where the NHL had all their big signings done bef- like two minutes after opening a free agency. That we've gone down to the deadline days when everything gets done. I just, I, I hope maybe Drury can get something in here sooner than later. I think not that the Rangers are going to struggle to make the playoffs. They are going to make it. I'm not worried about it. I'm not really seeing this, this quote-unquote big second-half collapse. Um, watch this team very closely all year. It's a special team that has something different about it. Um, I, I am a big analytics boy in, on, in some ways, but I do think there's some intangible things about this squad. It, it fights back, that's for sure. It certainly can't score at 5v5, no doubt about that. Um, but I would like to get some more chemistry with whoever they bring in because there's not going to be a lot of time to the playoffs uh, when March. I mean, you're really just going to have all of April to 
get your team into the into the playoff groove. And that's really it. I, I'm not really interested in that. I don't know if Drury will. I, I really don't think Drury is going to make a move in the next two weeks here. I'm kind of hedging my bets about it. I, I can tell you straight up, Greg, that Kraftsoff and Niels will be traded this deadline. Like, no doubter. And I'm wondering if you think there's anybody else that's almost uh, that's on the table at this point. Well, let me let me let me phrase it this way. I want to phrase I want to I want to phrase something to you, and I want you to say where you may disagree if you disagree anyway. Okay, sounds good. The vibe I get from Chris Drury, and I think it's the same vibe you get, is Drury has called 31 hockey teams. He has told each of those 31 hockey teams, "I am going to trade combinations of Niels Lundqvist, Vitaly Kravtsov, and my first round pick." What will you give me for these players? And at this point in time, no team has exactly given him a concrete answer. Now, Drury may have gone one step further with a couple teams and said a player he would ideally get. But to me, the vibe I get is Drury has said, these are my three assets. You tell me what it gets me. Do you disagree with that premise? I only slightly disagree. I think that did happen in a variation of it. I think I'll, I think he called 31 teams about Kraftsoff immediately. He's like, hey, what can we do with this? Then realized he's going to have to package Kraftsoff to get a better return because the asset is deflating, even though some teams still like Kraftsoff. I've heard a couple teams in the Metro like Kraftsoff. I've heard a couple teams out West like Kraftsoff. I know I'm being vague here, but that that that's the way it goes. And Drury probably also negotiated, hey, if I throw in this, I throw in that. But those are the three pieces he put. he's going to put on the table. I agree with you. Yeah. Now we're going to, I'm going to get to the masterclass New York Rangers have done with managing player assets. We'll talk about player development. Yes. First, first things first. I do, I do want to, I don't know if it's, uh, yeah, it's a wet blanket. I want a wet blanket, some Claude Giroux rumors. And I want to be very clear that I would love Claude Giroux on the New York Rangers and I would be the first guy to line up and say that this is the exact perfect mood the New York Rangers need to make. But, Giroux, I think, has entered the Ray Bork zone where unless he's traded to a team he feels is guaranteed to be one of the last four teams standing in the playoffs, he will otherwise just stay in Philadelphia. And I don't think he sees the New York Rangers as a last four guaranteed team. So I think if he had to choose between sticking the year out with the Flyers, getting to wear the C on his chest, getting his paycheck and deciding what to do with his future after the season, or taking a chance with the New York Rangers, I honestly get the vibe that Drew will just stick in Philly. Happen to I agree think with you. Yeah, I, I think you're talking about the Colorados and Tampa Bay's. I think he, I think he go. goes to Colorado, and I think it happens in the next, like, two, three weeks. I wouldn't be shocked. I just – I and to Ranger fans that are going to be upset about that, I can't say I blame them, you know? Drew would be he's, great on this team. He would be just be a perfect. perfect fit. He'd be perfect. Just a but, perfect fit. Yeah, I, I just – I don't – I think if – I don't think Drew wants necessarily to be a – he doesn't want to join a project, right? He wants to join a finished product. Right. Like, and the I Rangers weren't he, supposed to be I – mean, we thought they could be. I especially thought this would be a playoff team, but a lot of te- a lot of people around the league didn't expect them to make, make a, a serious cup contention push this year. And I think a lot of the, a lot of people around the league are still don't think they can do that. Uh, a lot of models don't like them. A lot of analytic models don't enjoy them. So – uh, I could see why a player wouldn't want to say wouldn't want to waive their no movement co- contract clause to go directly to the team rival uh, and ruin all his goodwill with the, his own fans. Yeah, and to anyone who says, "Well, that's bullshit from Giroux," I'd just like to point out that if you are a Flyer fan, right, 
we were once Ranger fans, and the Rangers once asked Henrik Lundqvist if he wanted to get traded, and he said no. So you have to respect the player for not wanting to shit on his fans, even if his fans are shit themselves, and it would just be poop on top of poop. Right. That's a, that's about as close as you'll get to me saying a nice thing about Philadelphia. I was proud of you. I thought that was pretty yeah, nice for you. So let me let me let me double down. And just okay, you don't everybody. need to go Chase first. Hutley's a fucking, okay. Chase Hutley's a fucking. Chase Hutley's a fucking. Don't need to say more. Jimmy Rollins Whoa. isn't a Hall of Famer. Okay, we can. They're all fucking. Ryan one. Howard deserved what happened to him so, so. with his career. Oh my god! All fuck those guys. <laughs> Joe Girardi. That guy's gonna get in a car crash in three months. Okay. I don't know where he's going. Gonna cut this part because I don't want to get sued. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you for giving me more work. Fuck the Phillies. <laughs> Fuck them. Okay. The Eagles are okay. I have no problem with the Eagles. Good. Now that we're past your Philadelphia hate fest. Um, At least. <laughs> why, are you, why are you making me bleep it twice? <laughs> why are you making me do the extra I wanted work? to make sure you weren't going to cut it the second time. <laughs> I, I am. I'm going to bleep it. <laughs> I'm trying. Oh, whatever. Okay. Uh, now that we're past that. I, did you have more premises you wanted to go over with Chris Drury or was that, your only, was that the only one? No, I, 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 think, I think what you've been saying about Lundquist is reluctantly true, though I don't think your reasoning was as, as – uh, I, My reasoning was he was the odd man out and now – Yeah, well, this, 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 brings us, this brings us to essentially – it's not even a player development point that I want to make right here. It's, it's just it, – it's understanding – the volatility of young NHL players and being able to identify someone that you can sell high on if they don't exactly fit your model. Now it's a whole different debate that we need, we could get into about whether the New York Rangers should have adjusted their model to fit a player like Niels Lundqvist, right? That, that is an actual separate conversation, whether the Rangers thought he could play their style of hockey, whether the Rangers and any, this isn't just the Rangers. This is every NHL coach. I don't really know of an NHL coach who is able to completely change their style of coaching to fit the roster, as opposed to just forcing their roster to fit their style of coaching. Maybe John Cooper is the only one, but then again, the, the Lightning have this delicate balance of cheating and great players where I don't know how much of it is actually John Cooper. But even even Barry Trotz, right? Barry Trotz gets the most out of his players, but it's a very specific player that thrives in a Barry Trotz system. And we say plenty of nice things about Barry Trotz. So I want to I make sure that I am using him as a, another example of an NHL coach unable to completely change or, or twist their style to fit the roster. Mm-hmm. So it... Whether Gerard Gallant could fit Niels Lundqvist into his system, you have to say he tried. I mean, the, Lundqvist got a, a very long runway. Whether you think it was a long enough runway, notwithstanding, I would have given him an entire year for sure, but I'm not the guy. You you can't – you could say the Rangers didn't try with Kravtsov. You can't exactly say they didn't try with Lundqvist. And that's, again, if you want to be the absolute nicest version of this. But my problem is you had to have had an understanding in the summertime that this could be your conclusion with Niels Lundqvist, that you could get to February or the trade deadline in this NHL season, the asset could depreciate ever so slightly, and you would once again be working against the grain 
when it comes to marketing your player in trades. Whereas if you go back to where this guy was, you go back to the summer, Ryan, and you're talking about a prospect some people refuse to put in Jack Eichel deals, let alone a trade for any other piece. And I don't any want to, other piece. I don't want to give Drury a pass here, and I'll let you get right back to your rant. But I, I truly believe this, and I mean, even if you go back and look at Vince's article after the Eichel deal went to Vegas, uh, congratulations, he's back on the ice, by the way. He's going to have a nice career. Congratulations to Eichel. Uh, you could see that I, I think this is just everything that I know. I believe that Drury had a deal done for Eichel, and the Buffalo owner called it off, and that deal included Kraftstoff and Niels. And he tried to get that trade done in the summer. He got caught with his pants down when the Buffalo owner said absolutely not. And then then he'd already traded away Buchnevich for, for a second in play. He tried to get rid of Kraftstoff and Niels. And then when that didn't happen, he read the landscape. He was like, well, I don't have anybody with a long-term value I can trade for now. And now he's stuck with these assets that are going to depreciate. Could he have found somebody else in the summer? Yeah, I'm sure that could have happened. But it didn't. And now we have Niels Lundqvist, we have Kraftsoff, and they're both depreciating assets in this system. Yeah, I, I'm not willing to give Drury a pass because I don't, I don't think when you have assets like Kraftsoff and Lundqvist, you can just shrug your shoulders and say you tried. I think you have to be a little more aggressive with not just the players that we knew were traded, but you could have, you could have gotten involved in a Connor Garland deal, right? You could have been more aggressive with San Jose with Tomas Hurdle when it seemed like negotiations weren't exactly going anywhere. You probably could have tried the Godfather off for the stars, though I think you, if Joe Pavelski was necessarily your golden goose, the, how it's gone in Dallas is probably better than what you could have gotten for Pavelski in the offseason. But it's what Drury, at some point, you needed to audible off Eichel it, it it just you had to accept at some point it wasn't going to happen and whether it whether it was after we put up the billboard or not you had plenty of time to find a deal and find a partner in trade to make the move you wanted to make and I just it, it, it just continues to bother me that I can't sit here and say that the Rangers had one avenue with Kravsu and Lund Kravsu Kravsov and Lundquist um and that avenue was Eichel, and if it wasn't right. going to be Eichel, then the Rangers you, – you can't sit here and tell me that you couldn't find assets that could be would – it, would it have been digestible if the Rangers traded Lundqvist to a team for a future first-round pick, potentially two future first-round picks? Those assets don't depreciate, right? Those are kind of static assets that you could then use in trades later. If it's a player that has – I wouldn't even call it a limited window or limited upside with the Rangers. It seemed like from the jump that the Rangers were dead set on this eventually being Schneider's role. Now, whether that is correct and whether that is the right move, I have pretty, I have there. pretty both- good insight and information that let me know that they believed Niels Lundqvist was the better player, like the better hockey player over the summer, but that Schneider in the long term was the answer, bar none. Yeah. And that's, fu- you know who else probably felt that way? every NHL team that you possibly could have talked to in trade negotiations. Anybody would have said and that if, to me. Yeah, and if you if you feel that highly about Braden Schneider, it puts a lot of pressure on Schneider's shoulders out of the gate, but you have to be better about understanding when to sell. And it's just another... Again, I, it's not even to say that Niels Lundqvist has played poorly. I don't think you or I would make the case. He's played about as we expected a rookie defenseman to play 
especially when you take into account that the partner he's played with for the majority of the year is having a really bad year. And it, having a really to... strange year as well. Yes. It's odd to say the least. It, it, it's... I hope everything's okay with Patrick Nemeth. I That's hope everything's we... fine. That's, That's all, all we can I'll say. say. Yep. All I can say is when he's on the ice, Patrick Nemeth hasn't been good. It's not a comment about his character. It's not a comment about his humanity. I'm just saying when he plays hockey, it's not as good as other players. There you go. It, that's it. Very that, controversial, right? How could go. you? How dare you? Now, I'll say this. When he plays hockey, it's better than Lieber fucking Hayek, who once again is still here. It is February 7th, Ryan. Yeah. Lieber Hayek is still here. Very strange. The Titanic well, I, so I do think Drury thought he could get something out of Kravtsov, and when Kravtsov, quote-unquote, I guess, didn't perform in camp, whatever, I don't understand, he sent him down to the AHL, and then Kravtsov did his thing where he was like, this sucks, I hate you. I'm going back home. I'm round two. Uh, and I, I do think both sides uh, didn't handle that well. I'm not, I don't actually have a, good, a side to blame. I think Kravtsov's camp and Drury's camp both handled it totally poorly, but one of them's an adult, so that's the difference. Yeah, and one of them should have known that that could have been a possibility because he had in his hands reports about a really bad uh, break day breakup last year. That's correct, yeah. And it's not exactly, again, not exactly like Kravtsov haven't done it before. Yeah, it's not the first when time. Jury put a, yeah, when Jury, I don't know, was the general manager of the team Kravtsov did it to. Makes you think. Really does. Makes you think. Yeah, I just, I'm frustrated. I, I, I really am frustrated. It's not that, it's not, again, I, I think if you package Lundqvist in a first-round pick at the trade deadline this year, you should be able to get whatever you want. And that probably could be very helpful for the New York Rangers. It's just frustrating that that same prospect and that same pick over the summer definitely could have gotten you more. And that more is not going to be available at the deadline this year. It's just not. Teams aren't willing to make some of the drastic moves they're willing to make in the summertime. Like, again, I'm not saying the Rangers ever targeted Seth Jones. They shouldn't. He's not a good hockey player. But if you think a a perceived talent like Seth Jones could be available at the trade deadline, it's just not how, the, it's not how hockey works. Like, for example, a, a guy who our Discord likes a lot, right? Pierre-Luc Dubois in Winnipeg. Maybe you can get Winnipeg to bite on a Pierre-Luc Dubois trade in the summer if you're dangling Lundqvist, the first-round pick, and Kravtsov. It's totally possible. I don't think that deal happens now because Dubois' rights are controlled over the summer, and Winnipeg doesn't want to signal to their fans that they want to make that kind of move at this time. I love It's to not a move Kravtsov you sell in season. Winnipeg. I would love that. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> they don't have an airport. I mean, what, what, what else is like Russia than Winnipeg? That's fair. You, I can't think of a place that has fewer airports than Winnipeg, and I assume it's the same in Russia. It has to be. I've never. Of course, it's too cold. Yes, of course. All right. Um, before we get to five, but that, that's that's my point. Like yes. maybe maybe you convince Winnipeg in the summertime, and Winnipeg tries to sell their fans on these two young stud prospects who could make a difference for the team for years to come. It's a much harder sell in the middle of a season when Winnipeg is on the outskirts of the playoff race. They don't want to blow it up necessarily. So it's – your options are just limited. And now you're going to trade Lundqvist, Kravtsov at reduced – even more reduced cost than you could have in the summer. And that frustrates me to no end. I think uh, – I said this earlier in our Discord, but I, I really do think the Rangers are looking for someone with term rather than rental. I think the rental thing is there. I think they're going to try and go cheap on the rental cost, whether that's the second-round pick or maybe a lesser prospect to bring somebody in. Like, I don't know if Phil Kessel costs you. We've talked about Kessel forever. I know people hate him, whatever. Uh, but if it's a second, like that's totally fine to bring Kessel in and take his money. 
I, I do think they're going to look for someone with term, and that's what brings me back to Jacob Chikrin, which I do think they're going to circle back on, even though multiple reports have said they're out. I know that they're looking for forwards first. I know that they're looking for top six forwards first, maybe even bottom, uh, kind of like a third-line center kind of type player. I, I, I think that's available for them, but I always circle back to Jacob Chikrin, who still has years of control, who still is a top NHL defenseman talent, who can drive play, and I don't know if you've noticed, but without Adam Fox on this squad, uh, they do have a problem doing some zone entries when it comes to defensemen with offensive ability. And I know Truba is an offensive defenseman, but Chikrin's another game, another level in that situation. So I do think they, they go back to try and find someone like that. I think JT Miller is probably still in play, despite you and I uh, thinking there's absolutely no way he'd work on this Ranger team for a lot of different reasons. Uh, and, and in general, I think... Uh, I think Chikrin's the, the play they might end up going back with just because just because of the control I, and because of the talent is there. I, if you're Arizona, you get Niels, you get Crafts off, you get a first, you get one other pick. That's a pretty good start to your rebuild that I'm not sure a lot of other teams can compete with. I just, the term part is very interesting to me, mostly because it, it just brings a finality to Ryan Strom that I don't think that it, the arc in Ryan Strom's storytelling on this podcast is unlike anything we've ever had. I love Ryan or anything Strom. we've ever discussed. I think that's super cool. But the arc has now reached this crescendo where I'm now saying on a podcast in 2022 that the New York Rangers would be irresponsible to take themselves out of the Strom bidding this early in the process. And that's what Chikrin's an exception, right? You and I would agree with that. That is a long term foundational piece that you are talking about that is extremely different than say jt miller who would just be a two year a year and a half answer at guaranteed cost as opposed to extending ryan strom now we all know that at giving any player at this point in time with these many contracts that the rangers have that much term is a risk at the same time I think Ryan Strom is just a better, more perfect fit for this Ranger team for the next four years than JT Miller and whoever we hope is replacing JT Miller. I just, admitting that you're out on Ryan Strom long-term in February or March, the months before his free agency hits, it just seems like a reckless move in my eyes. I, and again, can't believe I'm saying it. Doesn't make any sense. Not anything we've ever thought we would be saying on this podcast, but it just, it, it feels like the Rangers wanting a forward with term is to allow themselves to quote unquote, use Strom as their rental. And that just doesn't, it doesn't feel like smart business. Then again, can't say the Rangers have done a ton of smart business. If Ryan Strom eight, wants months. to sign for, you know, 5.5, he's a Ranger. I think if they go higher, if he wants higher, and he probably should want higher because Ryan Strom has been pretty good. I don't know. It's not just Artemi Panarin driven at this point. I think he's proven himself as an NHL uh, second-line center. I actually don't know why people uh, – I'm going to defend Ryan Strom even more right now. I, I think a lot of people think that the Rangers need like another 2C. They don't. Ryan Strom is there. He's good enough. Uh, he really is. He's, he's. It's not like he didn't have the pedigree. He all he came into his own on, at, on the Rangers. He scored the points. He's actually defensively responsible. He's a dream, if I'm being honest. It makes no sense. Like, yeah, I wish he could hit empty netters for sure, but everything else he does is awesome for the Rangers in terms of chemistry, 
you know, leadership and what he does on the ice, which is just do nothing but set up wonderful passes for Artemi Panarin and even Kapo Kaka when he was on the line. Uh, he's and, and he's playing defense now. And what else do you want? So let's yeah, get. Yeah, and I also, well, I also, I just, I push back on people saying, um, well, other players have the points. Okay, well, here, here's one thing you need to remember. The New York Rangers is currently constructed are booty at 5v5. And that's while they have guys like Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, Artemi Panarin, and Ryan Strom. So it's like, oh, but if they add JT Miller, then they're going to be good at 5-on-5. Five five. At some point, it's not just the personnel that we have to talk about. At some point, it's the style of play. I know. Isn't that the, isn't that the funny conversation that we haven't had just yet? And I, and listen, at you, some point, Ryan, at some point, you cannot, you cannot argue. Uh, and many people will be happy to tell you this. You cannot argue with the record and the results the Rangers have had. Uh, That's right. I can't argue with how good Igor Shosturkin is. You're right. <laughs> yes, you're correct. Igor Shosturkin is a God. We actually have to do some quick versions of five-star questions because we have a guest coming up very quickly. Um, so I will kind of go through some. Uh, Dr. Zayas? Z- 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 I always fuck this up. Most underrated New York Ranger player, most overrated. Uh, say it again one more time. I'm sorry. Underrated, overrated New York Ranger players. Currently. Yes. On the active roster. I would say currently. Uh, well, underrated is the guy we just talked about, Ryan Strom. Agreed. Overrated? I'm going to say Philip Heedle. You like that? Mm, no, I was going to say... I was going to say one that would hurt your feelings, and Sam Stern's going to fist bump to himself. Kapakako? I say we overrate Ryan Lindgren a little bit. Ooh, I like it, the intangibles. Uh, what... Yeah, because, again, it's, it's, it, it, I think the, it's how we view the player versus how the rest of the league views the player. And I think we don't give Ryan Strom enough credit, and I don't think the rest of the league gives Ryan Strom enough credit. And I think we have big hard-ons for Ryan Lindgren, rightfully so. Love him. When blood, I think the rest of the league sees him as more league average. This is from Filthy Horvat. Uh, does Gallant keep Loft on the top line with KZ after Cocker returns, or does he slide him back down? Do I think he will? I I don't. Do you think he will? No. He, I, I think he should. There's a difference between should and will. No, I do not. Yeah, I think he gets moved down again. I think he goes to the third line. Uh, Brian Mallon, 89, uh, asks, which of, which, which of the Greg and Ryan's Currently on the team, do you think we'll have the longest tenure? Which which of the Greg and Ryan or Ryan's currently on the team? Do you have to? Oh, Greg McKegg, I get it. Ryan Strom. Okay, uh, I don't know this question. Did it's, you know how name works there for? I was my brain. I was like, I couldn't. I couldn't put it together. I'm sorry, Mr. Mallon. I? Oh, before I answer this question, can I tell you a story from my weekend? Surely. Uh, had a ski weekend with a bunch of our college friends. Yes, yes. Uh, we were playing a movie trivia game. And someone asked a question about uh, who played what role in the movie The Revenant. And it wasn't Leo DiCaprio. Uh, And I was like, oh, this is easy. It's, And then my mind literally blanked. And my friends were like, what's wrong? And I was like, I know his name. I see his face. I can name you every movie he's in. He's in Inception. He's in Black Hawk Down. He's in Band of Brothers as a young actor. He's literally Bane in the Batman movies. I literally named every movie Tom Hardy was ever in and was unable to say the words Tom Hardy. I got to a point where I was like, I think I have a tumor. I need to be taken to the hospital. The tumor is in the Tom Hardy part of my brain where I can't name this dude. And I I know who he is. He's one of my favorite actors. Dunkirk is one of my fucking Desert Island movies. I fucking love it. 
He's the guy. He's the guy I ride hard for. And my brain was like, you don't know his name. I'm going to make you fucking suffer because you don't know his fucking name. That is how my weekend went with Tom Hardy. Anyway, uh, Ryan Lindgren. Tom Hardy legitimately saves that last Batman movie. He crushes it. Yeah. It, I, I quote, take back your city. It's, <laughs> Dude, it's his, his voice in that movie is he's just iconic. That movie stinks. It actually stinks. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of putting my hand on people's shoulder and asking them if they feel like they are in control. <laughs> Dude, Bane is a badass in that movie, for real. All right. Uh, I think, actually, maybe the best thing to do is this. Maybe we'll do, a, like, a special five-star extended segment next week because we have a bunch more. Well, I got good news for you. Jesse's running ten minutes late, so we have oh, ten more minutes. Oh, never mind. I lied. This is from Matt Polo 331 which, which current Ranger tribute would win in a Hunger Games-style event? Meaning, having the strength, intelligence, as well as the ability to win over sponsors for support, which former Ranger would be the best mentor? Tanner Glass and Ryan Reeves. That's my combo. No, <laughs> Player development, No, baby. I think people, you have to remember that, like, the, 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 the districts people like to throw their weight behind are the underdog districts a little bit. They need something to root for. They'd expect Ryan Reeves to win, so he'd get support, but he wouldn't get that undercurrent of support. And you also need... You need someone who survived that wasn't supposed to survive. And maybe that survival is waiting, weighing on their shoulders a little bit too heavily. Um, like, I think Matt Zuccarello would have been the perfect answer Ooh. to this question if someone, if someone asked us way back when. That's a good one. Uh, on the current team, I'd say I think Kako would do quite well. I have some anecdotal evidence for Kako doing quite well. Because we started a church about the guy, and people have been donating to that non-fucking-stop. Thank you, so everybody. So I think he'd be able to get the – I think he'd be able to get the supporters. Now, who would his mentor be? I think it'd be Rick Nash. you got to remember how sympathetic a figure Rick Nash has become. This, this pains me in, in many ways. I, yeah, fuck you. That's why it pains <laughs> you in many ways. Because you're fucking wrong about him. That's fine. It pains you because you're an idiot. That's why it pains you. Rick Nash, Capacaco. That's my combo. Send it home. God damn it. All right, CTV19 says, with Winnipeg trending downwards, what are the thoughts on Andrew Kopp to stabilize the third line and add some depth? Actually, uh, I I got some pretty good uh, information over the summer that Kopp was maybe someone that Rangers were looking into. Uh, did not happen, of course, and I, I, I think that's a, a very suitable target for them, but I don't think Winnipeg uh, will move him. No, I but I do think an interesting option for the Rangers is a former Winnipeg Jet who is now in Seattle, and that's Mason Appleton. <laughs> yeah, Seattle. Uh, I, I think Seattle is is in for an interesting selling deadline. I think Giordano. Yeah, they're open. They're open for business. Giordano's for the Rangers are going to poke around about. Uh, this is Tigdasimus. I don't know if I said that. If Strom does uh, does end up pricing himself out of New York, could the Rangers go after his brother Dylan Strom and see if lightning strikes twice? Dylan, I feel like Dylan Strom has Rangers a hat trick. Really... So I mean, Strom doesn't. If you really, if you, but aren't you? Aren't we at a point now where if the Rangers really wanted Dylan Strom, he'd already be a Ranger? Yeah, I'm with you. If, I mean, if the, if it's not like the Blackhawks are, are really, I mean, they're interviewing Peter Torelli mostly. Uh, yeah, so maybe wait. Maybe wait. <laughs> yeah, maybe wait. They're mostly doing that as a publicity stunt to get all the scent off of the rest of their shit. Oh yeah, did you see they interviewed the Cubs guy today too? No way. Are you serious? Yeah, they interviewed the Cubs assistant GM today. Like the baseball Cubs. The ba- is there another Cubs? No, I'm just – that's so stupid. Uh, what? Are you saying the Browns weren't successful with Paul D. Podesta? 
Moving on. David, if if uh, <laughs> if FYR somehow come out of the trade deadline without trading one of Niels and Schneider or Schneider, do they get included in trading up in this year's draft? I don't think. Well, Lundqvist isn't surviving the deadline. I just don't see it, David. Uh, actually, Harrison asked, "Why is the team giving up on Niels so quickly?" I think there's a lot of factors here, Harrison, that we can't uh, really just discuss yet. I'm sure that all the, everything will come come out in time. Uh, but really, with Niels, I think they kind of see him as the odd man out. Uh, they've chosen Schneider as I mean that that right side uh, when they drafted Schneider was loaded. I mean, think Tony D'Angelo was still here at that point in time, and Schneider's come up and taken that spot, and now it's just going to be those three for the next X amount of years. So Niels is kind of the odd man out at this point. Yeah, I I don't think it's that they. I don't want to really defend how this front office handles their player development because I think the track record at some point, like your record does speak for itself, but I just, I think the Rangers feel Schneider has forced their hand. So if Schneider wasn't forcing their hand, I think they'd still be quite happy with what Lundquist was doing. Even again, the part I, I can't wrap my head around is we just, the anecdotal evidence of Gallant not exactly trusting the player is there. I think it's there for Heedle too. And that's why I think he's another player that is on a very short leash. He short doesn't, he doesn't trust Heedle at all. It's so no, clear. And he, he didn't, he didn't trust Lundquist. Lundquist was the only young player coming in and out of the lineup. I think it's, he got sad too. I don't care what they say. I know but that those are the only two. That's it. Everybody else gets moved up and down the lineup a little bit, but no, I, I mean, except Keandre Miller, which is perfectly fine in my eyes, but yeah, I just, I, I don't think it's that the Rangers are giving up on him. It's just, it's a bad combination of Drury like Schneider more, Gallant like Schneider more, and Lundquist didn't knock the Rangers socks off. And it's in my opinion, it's an incorrect assessment of the player. But I think the Rangers feel like they've made their bed, and now they just want to sleep in it. Yeah, I it's. Uh... I think you said something earlier that was really important to kind of highlight. And I don't think you said it on the show, but it was, you know, having the coach make the decisions of who he wants to have on the roster long-term is such an interesting way to do it because the players always outlast the coach. Yeah. I I said, I did. I said this in our discord. It's worth repeating on here. It's there's a reason why every other sport essentially has really disassociated the general manager from the manager, right? Because the general manager is supposed to be the long-term visionary. And your manager, even the good ones, the shelf life is usually, if it gets to five years, that's kind of surprising. Well, if you're a legend uh, when you get to five years. That's just, yeah, that's so, just it. Like, like, quickly go through the sports. Who's more than five years? Tomlin, Belichick, okay. Uh, Madden. Uh, uh, <laughs> baseball, Madden has, Madden, Madden's changed teams. That's true, multiple times. Yeah, I, I mean, in baseball, it, it's uh, Girardi's changed teams. Like Aaron Boone's one of the longest tenured managers in baseball right now. Uh, even the Rays, the Rays go through managers all the time because they're confident. The Ra- baseball sees managers as they occasionally need a new voice in the locker room, right? That that's how baseball is essentially getting there. Um, basketball managers go through changes all the time. Hockey it used to be the same way. There, it's just. You know, the Rangers hired Gerard Gallant to a three-year deal, right? Do any of us expect Gallant to still be the guy in six years? Like, three more years after his initial three-year deal. You really think Gallant's going to be the guy? Now, 
whether you do or you don't, I think if you say you do, that's a little it's a little optimistic to put it lightly. Whereas Brayden Schneider, I expect him to be a New York Ranger in six years. Oh, bro, I, I expect Brayden Schneider to be here for the next decade. Like that's just yeah, it. So like all the Adam Fox's deal, he'll have two more coaches before Adam Fox Mika Zibanejad will have two more coaches before his time is up. So that this is why I'm always stunned that teams make big decisions on long-term pieces to appease a short-term coach. And it, I don't think the Rangers are firing Gallant anytime soon. I'm not suggesting that. No, Gallant's around uh, for at least three years, period. But my the point I was making is Gallant is going to make decisions that impact the next coach's ability to win or lose a hockey game. And I think that's a little crazy. It is. It is. It's, uh, it's that long-term vision. And having uh, having everybody on the same page, but that's just not the case uh, with this. So clearly, Philip Hedel. Well, we'll do another uh, pos- podcast in the long term about player development and how that really works for the New York Rangers and how it really hasn't worked. But uh, there, that's it for another time. Let's get to our friend Jesse Marshall, shall we? Oh, you're asking me to answer that? I uh, should be, I guess. Right it's now, okay, cool. I guess we should. Yeah, cool. All right. Uh, so we're gonna transition. Greg's gonna tell you a little bit about our sponsor today. But before we do that, uh, I love you guys. All right, transition. Super Bowl week is here, and we got some big news just in time for the big game. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, officially live right here in New York State with mobile sports betting. That means you can place a bet no matter where you are, like, say, I don't know, Albany, Troy, New York City, Queens, Astoria, I don't know, anywhere with DraftKings Sportsbook. And it's making it even more exciting. Listen to this. DraftKings is getting new customers a special offer that you don't want to miss. Best ju- bet just $5 or more on the Super Bowl and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. Bengals, Rams, that's the team they're playing. Ignore the pause. I definitely remembered who it was. I'm a big first touchdown score bet. I've been riding tight ends for a while, but I got to tell you with CJ Uzoma out, I'm a big T. Higgins guy. Give me T. Higgins to score the first touchdown of the game for either team, not just the Bengals. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Sign up using code BLUESHIRTS. Bet just $5 or more and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's code BLUESHIRTS this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full details. Must be 21 or older and physically present in New York. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. Hey, we're back with our guest, recurring guest, Jesse Marshall. Friend of the show, Jesse, how are you? Uh, recurring guest feels good. I like that. Mo- that's a good moniker to have. Thank you. Uh, I, I just figured it was an pr- appropriate title. You're on The Athletic, our former employer, and I hope you're still having a great time over there. Uh, you, still cover the, fine. you still cover the Penguins, and uh, the Rangers have not played the Penguins. It is February 7th. Uh, that makes no sense. What's, what the hell is going on with the Penguins? I thought they were going to stink. All of a sudden, they don't stink. They're pretty good. They have 62 points in 46 games. Uh, it seems like Sidney Crosby is all the way back. They're getting healthy. Who's the surprise player this this year? You have a goalie that seems to be working out. I have so many questions. Please hit me. 
Okay, so to, yeah, a couple of things in order there. Um, you know, I think first of all, the popular thing to do every season is to count the penguins out or like put them on the very cusp of the wild that card and, and refer them. Yeah, I do it. I mean, I mean, I did it this year. I, you know, I think there were a team that I had as sort of like barely hanging on to that final spot, and you know, now they're making a push to potentially win the division. They won the division last year, so it's kind of like you know, when am I gonna like stop doing this? You know, when are we gonna start like giving them some credit? Uh, and, and you know, I, I think. The biggest thing you mentioned is the goaltending, right? Like Tristan Jari is coming off the all-star game. Um, the last couple of starts have been, I think, a little fatigue getting to him. But it's a total rebound. Last year, he was the reason they lost to the New York Islanders. And you don't – you rarely say that about a hockey – like in a hockey – seven-game hockey series. But that was it. Like that was it. The goaltending lost in that series. The Penguins were really the better team, uh, and, and Jari was just out to lunch. And I think the – you know, Ron Hextall didn't address that at all. He did nothing about goaltending. Um, the Penguins brought back Casey DeSmith and Tristan Jari. Uh, and I think everybody sort of panicked. And everybody was like a pee your pants moment in Pittsburgh. Like, we're really going to roll in to the post to the playoff or the regular season this year with Tristan Jari, who's coming off of a fill your diaper performance against the New York Islanders, and Casey DeSmith, who's not a starter in the National Hockey League. Uh, and then Tristan Jari shut everybody up. And I think there's like a thing in Pittsburgh where it's like, ah, eh, prove it to me in the postseason. And I respect that. Like, I I'll give you that. Um, if, if that's you, but you know, you're missing some good hockey right now. That's my thing. Like he's been very good. Um, he's been lights out. Casey DeSmith has actually been the unplayable one. Uh, it's been completely wheels off for him. Uh, I think it's the one thing they need, Ryan, is they got to get a goalie. They got to find a backup for Tristan Jari because I think he's starting to crash and burn, but it's all the same characters. It's Latang's having a renaissance year. Sidney Crosby's doing Sidney Crosby things. They just got Evgeny Malkin back. Uh, who's still, you know, I think still finally finding his legs. He's, I, mean, he's, I say that he's got 14 points in 13 games. Jay Gensel's looking like a 40 goal scorer. So it's more of the same, right? I, I think it's uh, the same cast of characters, just ageless uh, and doing doing their usual act. At some point, though, they they are human, right? Like part of the reason part of the reason a lot of us discounted the Penguins going into the season. It's not just the goalie situation. You know, there were whispers about whether Malkin could even play this year. Crosby, we all agree that he's, you know, not exactly of the human race, but at some point he too has to break down. And it, it, the Penguins have done so much work to extend this window that they don't exactly have the farm system to replenish when these guys are aging themselves out. So how in the world are these guys just not aging themselves out? It, it's... It's Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. Why won't you die? What's yeah, going on? It, to your point, too, Greg, I think that Latang was the one that was really, like, I think the one you would expect to maybe get their first. A lot of minutes for him over the years. Um, a lot of injuries for him over the years. And he's a defenseman that plays top pairing minutes. You know, it's a tough, it's a tough job. And his last couple of years are like, eh. You know, I think everybody in Pittsburgh was, like, looking at this one and saying, like, it's a contract year for him. What happens next? Um, now he's like, now there's he's talking, you know, potentially to my colleague Josh Yohi at the Athletic about getting a raise. That's not happening in Pittsburgh. I mean, he's playing. That's how well he's playing. So, I don't. To answer your question, I don't know. I mean, I keep feeling like you're right there at the precipice of this cliff that they're going to fall off of, right? And everything is just going to crash and burn. I think it is different for them. Like Sidney Crosby, you know, especially he's still a point per game machine, but he's doing it in a different way, right? It's not the same Sid from you know 10, 15 years ago. It's a more like cerebral Sid that controls the pace and is more like start stop with his movement um you know so i think they're finding ways to adapt and it's evolve or die in this league right i mean the game now is so different from when these guys entered the league we were coming out of a two-line pass era for the love of god 
um, we've come so far from that and they've considerably, uh, you know, I think every year found ways to keep themselves competitive, uh, which is a testament to the kind of players they are. So is it going to last forever? No. Uh, but I do think that the, their, their minds, their hockey minds, the way that they see and think the game, it enables them to extend that window of viability uh, because they're just playing sometimes on another level uh, and another, you know, two seconds ahead of everyone else, it would seem. Did you expect the Metro to be as kind of over as it is right now on February 7th at the beginning of the season? Because I, no. sort of, I sort of expected this to be a bloodbath the whole season. And to be honest, we have our four teams and now it's just fighting for seed, seeding. That's it. Right. So I think like Philly, obviously, right, is the big one for me. Um, I, I had them, I think, probably considerably better, obviously, than, than where they are. I think the Islanders are another team I probably throw in there, although their circumstances are a little bit different with having only played you know, sub 40 games right now. Love that New York background, baby. Woo. Beautiful. It's Philadelphia. Um, sorry. I just beat it <laughs> myself. Um, but no, I, I, you know, to me, it's, it's kind of a shocker. Um, it's super top heavy. And, and the top that, that that top four is going to be fun. Like it's going to be fun to watch what happens between these four teams down the stretch. And you know the Penguins haven't. You know the, the situation they're in with the Rangers guys is very similar to the one they're in with Carolina, and that they haven't played them either. So you're talking eight games of considerable magnitude that are potentially decide this division down the stretch. It'll be fun to watch. It's just weird. I just I, I listen. I know we shit on the NHL so much on this podcast, and I know it bothers some people. But how in God's fuck are we at this point in the season and the Penguins, the Pittsburgh Penguins, haven't played two of their bigger division rivals yet this year? Is it manufactured drama? Because that's really – it's not arena availability. We can rule that out. There's no – I, 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 I mean, that's know, not it. Like, we're in a pandemic it, and there's nothing happening in these arenas. Uh, <laughs> baseball, baseball does a lot wrong. Do not get me wrong. Especially, you know, considering there won't be a season this year most likely. But even baseball understands that, like, you front load your schedule with division matchups and you back load the schedule with division matchups, but you split them up evenly so that you get half and half. Like, the Mets played the Braves. Yeah. Yeah. The Mets Mets played, I felt like last April, the Mets played nothing but the Braves and Phillies in April, but then they also played nothing but the Braves and Phillies in September. And that was fine. I, I I got my drama at the beginning, I got my drama at the end. The Rangers and Penguins haven't played. I, I know that I, I know the Rangers have um, measuring sticks that they need to measure up to throughout this season. And the fact that they've played Carolina once and they haven't seen Pittsburgh yet, I don't like I, I'm pretty sure the Rangers are good, but I don't know exactly how good because they yeah. don't play teams in their division. 100 percent. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and again, I got to go. I just I think it's that it's we want drama. Right. I think the NHL is all about the drama. Uh, and this is their way of stirring it about. Um, I'm with you. I just think it's more, I don't want to use the term fair, right? Because it's, it's so subjective. But I like, I'll put it this way. I like seeing a team once per quarter, right? Because <laughs> you get any, you can, we, now when we get towards the playoffs, we can solve for any arguments about who's better because we've gotten four smatterings of games that exist across a long stretch of time, right? Um, we, I, you know, I don't, I don't even, I'm even fine with increasing the number of division games, uh, and, and going back, you know, sacrificing from elsewhere to potentially play interdivision. I liked that when they did that, maybe not to the extreme. We did it back when there was, I don't um, want to do eight. Like eight. We, we played, I don't do eight. we played a yeah. playoff series against the devils in one week. It was awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, you get where I'm going. I, I, I like, I'm, I'm with you, but I think in this case, guys, what they're trying to do is 
And in this case, if you look at the standings, it, it is going to play. I mean, you know, you may, I didn't know that the Rangers had only played the Canes once. Uh, but all, I mean, you're literally down the stretch. That's all it's going to be. Rangers, Canes, Penguins, Canes, Penguins, Rangers. Uh, that'll be literally all we're going to watch. And there will be no Penguins Capitals. We're done with that. We'll be finished with that already. That'll be out the window in the back or in the mirror. Uh, Flyers will be done with. We'll be finished with that. Uh, it's just, like, it, I don't understand, uh, to your point, you know, how we can, have all these other series wrap up so soon while we haven't even started the other ones yet. Who is your please don't let this happen first round matchup for you? I mean, it's it's the Rangers. Uh, and I'm not saying that to like, you know, to, to blow you guys on your show. Thank you. You're, you're saying about, because the Igor Shesterkin, I'm 100%, guessing? 100%. Yeah. But not only even that, like, look at the way the Rangers play. You know, I, they, they do a lot to pr- try to protect Igor. I think sometimes at the extent, agree or disagree, of sacrificing offense. Right? I mean, no, the they Rangers do that. Are, That's for yeah. sure. So, so, like, the Penguins traditionally have just been totally ass against that kind of team. I mean, the Rangers or the Islanders have beaten them, right? And I'm, I'm so the Rangers aren't obviously at that level very Trotz style. Uh, but you get where I'm going. Montreal, the Islanders, these are teams that, like, have constantly haunted the Penguins. And they just hate playing against that style. They love that Carolina wheeling deal. Like, let's go out and just freewheel offensively and not care about anything at all. We'll four check with four guys, you know, like you know, whoever suffocates for loses. Uh, that's the style they prefer. So I think it's difficult for them uh, to fight fire with fire. I think they did a little bit more against the Islanders last year where they were like, okay, we have to bite the bullet and like suck it up and, and kind of just play hockey we don't like. Uh, but I'll never bet against, I'll never bet for them in that circumstance. Um, they, they love that time and space. And that's not even to get into the voodoo of the goaltending piece and, um, you know, uh, what's looking at what he's done between the pipes this year. I mean, there's just, you know, he's a tough guy to beat. Jesse, I think the last time we had you on the show, it was probably towards the end of last year while the Rangers were without a head coach. And we were talking about the possibility that Mike Sullivan could be leaving Pittsburgh. How far removed from that conversation exactly are we today? Yeah, like even his most ardent detractors are struggling right now to come up with some crumb of criticism that they can throw at him. I, I think that the, the, here's here's the stat that I always like kind of use this year to, to lean on his Jack Adams award candidacy. You know, going looking at the start of the season through Thanksgiving, the Penguins deployed 15 different defensive pairings that had played at least 12 minutes together. So you, when you want to talk about like juggling the lineup and, and, and guys that are out and like the, the total beating uh, that I think this team took, whether it be COVID or, you know, guys going down with injury and, and you know, having to just completely rotate through uh, a, a cast of characters. And I think that the one thing is you could say about him is that the message is fresh, like the style of play and the messaging is fresh, regardless of who's in the lineup. It's there when it's a bunch of young pups you know, taxiing it up from the American Hockey League. It's there when it's Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Gensel, and Rust. And I think it's cross-generational at this point. He's outlasted every other coach that has been with this core. Um, and the, and again, you know, that message is as fresh now as it was when he took over in 2015. So um, it, it's a, you know, the frustrating thing, I think, for people in Pittsburgh is that by the time you get to the second half of the year, right, everybody gets healthy, things start to normalize and then people sort of forget the turmoil that he went through in the first half of the year. And it's always, well, he's got Crosby and Walken and Latang and look at how Jari's playing and, and never like they have it. Most of those guys didn't play the first three, 
half of the year. Uh, it's tough to get publicity when you're surrounded by the kind of talent he is. But I think this year is the year where that tide actually seems to, you know, at least from the public eye, kind of finally be turning. The Rangers have $35 million in cap space to make some trades happen this deadline. They'll probably wait till the day of to make things happen, as you know how the NHL works. Are the Penguins looking to make any particular moves? Who's up for grabs? Yeah, I think so. The biggest, like I said, is getting a, a, a more of like a reliable backup goaltender. Um, Can I interest so you I in think, one Alexander Georgiev? Um, probably. I mean, I don't think they'd rule that out. Um, he's playing. He's better than Casey DeSmith. <laughs> um, I think like the names we've heard probably so far. You know, the pipe dream is Mark Andre Fleury. I don't think that is going to going to happen. Um, that is that's just a, that's a fan fiction. Let's be honest. Correct. It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, but I think reasonable ones are Yaroslav Halak uh, and Braden Holpe are really the two names. That, and the Holpe one would really – a lot of people in Pittsburgh would have to kind of swallow, you know, a little bit of their anti-capitals pride to suck that one up. But on the flip side, you have Flurry rumored to the Capitals. So perhaps we have like a Freaky Friday situation in the postseason we can enjoy that way. Um, but, yeah, I think that's it. I, I think they're probably they're probably going to sniff around for some depth at forward to – um, you know, to fill out the fourth. Teddy Bluger is going to be out for a while with a broken jaw. Um, so I think, you know, they're, they're calling up, for instance, uh, Valtteri Pustinen. Uh, it's a first year in North America. He's all of 5'9", but he's, he's Wilkes-Barre's leading scorer. So I think they're just look. The point is, I think they could use a little bit more reliable NHL depth at the wing, which they'll probably try to sniff around and find. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out, you know, not that I don't, I don't think they're sellers. Right. I want to be clear about that, but I think they have pieces they could look to sell to address other areas of the team. For instance, Casper Kapanen, total disappointment, um, not scoring, not generating, not finding opportunities to score. They've done just about everything but playing with Sidney Crosby, which I don't think they will do. Um, and it hasn't worked. Uh, I think as Jason Zucker's a similar name, he's hurt. So it's a little bit difficult to get rid of somebody when they're, they're injured. Uh, but I think those are two possibilities in terms of guys you might see get moved for just additional pieces to bolster that depth. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. If you're worried about playing the New York Rangers in the first round of the playoffs, just go out and trade for Yaro Halak. That guy has ownership of <laughs> So they kind of they cancel out the Shesterkin piece potentially. Yeah, I, I, that that's like – that's one of those ownership of a team that is it, – it's not to say Halak has been bad in his NHL career. I think it's very clear that he hasn't. But a guy like Halak shouldn't have – that kind of control over a team like the New York Rangers. And he does. You, you, we have no choice but to sit down and call him our daddy. That's for sure. I, it's kind of done that to the Penguins too, though. So, you know, you kind of. The guy make... you want in your team then. Very easy. Yeah, exactly. Go out yeah. and get him. <laughs> yeah, he breaks his own curse. I, I'm, I'm in this weird position where I don't know why. Like, it's hockey, so I think these guys are going to just play pretty hard the second half no matter what. But with the Metro kind of set and there being no buy, and I don't know what – what is really the reward for for the seeding of, of winning the Metro this year? I, I can't really find – like that's why we want the Rangers to make a trade now because it, it's important to build that chemistry and bring whoever you're bringing in to fix your 5v5 problems and become a well-oiled machine. The, the Penguins are in, are in their, their stride right now. You want to maintain that. But I, I don't see the benefit in just winning out and winning the division this year comparatively to maybe some other years. Let me take you into the world of the stupid for a second. I'm, I'm uh, interested, please. That's where we live. Down. There is a uh, 
bizarre contingent of people in Pittsburgh that for whatever reason, and I know this, I'm giving you the long answer here, but for whatever reason believed that when Evgeny Malkin came back from injury, the Penguins were going to collapse. Everything was going to fall. What? Malkin? Yes. You said that again? Yes. (laughs) He was going to destroy the system, right? And the buy-in that existed, he was going to play this freewheeling, um, you know, Russian fire wagon style um, of non-adherence. Uh, that was just going to shake things down to their very core. Malkin? The fact the that, three-time the Stanley fact Cup winning. That, <laughs> that you guys are responding like this brings me a lot of joy because now it's like I, this is a sense of sanity to my life from New York. But I think like – no, it was. It was a debate, right? It was a debate. Okay. Um, and I think like there, there, that it didn't happen, first of all, to be very clear. But like the, yeah, the results – didn't the results didn't match once he came back like they're six three and one i think in the last 10 sorry not good not great right um that's good the, the point <laughs> i'm trying to make is i think right and i think but i think the point i'm trying to make is is this is a team that knows the difference and has you know you mentioned they won three cups right they know the difference between a game february 1st and april 1st right and they have i think that ability to throw the playoff switch so to speak so to your point like a lot of people have said in pittsburgh well see it's it's happening you know like malkin's come back and we've seen lapses in in area x y and z and i'm like i don't know that we've seen lapses as much as it was everybody's kind of just taking a breath you know they spent three months four months of this whole year guys in and out of the lineup having to bust their hump you know players playing extraordinary amounts of ice time just not on amounts they weren't used to because the circumstances, I think this is the first opportunity where they've had to be like, Ugh. you know, like we don't, you know what I mean? Like everyone's here, like we can kind of like chill. And I, you know, there's a, a natural tendency, I think a human tendency to do that. And I think we've seen it play out. And I think we'll continue to see it play out, guys, because if the top four is locked in and you feel confident about where you're at and, and you maybe aren't as worried about seating, what's the, to your point? Like you're not going to go out in there and try to, you know, break your back and get yourself hurt. Um, Dude, you the, know, the East is, entirety yeah. is set. Like all eight right. teams, there's the only team yeah. that has a has a, like a fighter's chance. I mean, is probably the Red Wings. I mean, you can make your case for the Islanders if you want making that magic magical run. They would have to go on a serious one, a burner, because they've only played 39 games right now. But even then, like, it, there's no shot. Yeah, I, Ryan, I just to your point, I wouldn't even say the Red Wings because they're nine points behind the Bruins and they've played four more games. Yes, right. So it like me tough. The the Atlantic is set. The Bruins are probably. The only thing you have to question in the Atlantic is how many points do the Panthers get and are the Bruins going to be able to overtake the Lightning or the Maple Leafs for that final third seed? And in the Metro, it's like, unless the Islanders go on this magical run that I it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen, then it's a question of if you're the Rangers or the Penguins, you're either playing one or each other or the Hurricanes or the Capitals. And that's it. Like you, You've just decided the, the Metro's playing the Metro this year. One through four, they're going to play each other. So it's Again, it just it boggles the mind that these four teams. Jesse, you said that uh, the Capitals series with the Penguins is just about done. I don't think the Rangers have played the Capitals since opening night. So I, I, <laughs> I if if they have, I I don't remember it. I blacked out. So it's just it's ridiculous that again the Rangers have played forty seven games this year, and I don't know how they look against the playoff teams because for whatever reason we just haven't played them. You know what, too, Greg, to your point, just to go back for a second, the only division that has any interest at all is really that fourth spot in the Pacific, right? That's really the only one because you kind of have the Central's finished up, too. Um, so I don't think you – I mean, I think, what, you've got 
Yeah, the Avalanche, Predator, Wild, and Blues. That's I guess the Stars weird. are kind of sniffing around there. Not really. Bit, they have 43 games, like not, 48 points, not, not yeah. particularly. So you literally have one division this year that is not yet decided in this league. It's, it's the Oilers. The good news about the division is you do get the panicking Oilers, and anything's yeah. on the table when the Oilers panic. It'd be fun for all of us to be. That's the, no pressure on them having the other three divisions completely decided, and every single eyeball in the league pointed at them as they got. It, the it's down. already there, Jesse. Like, it's, yeah, that's true. It's yeah. if I, I can't even tell you if if this was Pittsburgh, and especially if this was New York, and we had Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid, and what was happening in Edmonton was happening here. I I cannot even imagine the the takes, the call, the the tweets, the replies, the anger. That would be going on. Ryan, you can't I don't imagine. Remember the New York, this. Oh, New York it's, it's called have Jacob, Jacob DeGrom. DeGrom and Pete yes, I'm so sorry. Yeah, you, well, you Pete can't Alon, imagine. Hold on. Pete Alonso is not even a top. Day? He's not even a top 20 baseball player. Connor McDavid is. No, but still, yeah. You have the, the world's greatest pitcher and at least one good hitter. And we know what Met fans are like. So I, I'm telling you what they would be like. Okay, That's fine. It. Answered it. Fine. Fine. Miserable. This is like sort of the Lemieux story though, right? Because like drafted 84 makes the playoffs 88 once and then doesn't come back again until, you know, 90 he misses the next year. And then they go back to back cups, but it was like a long and arduous road. I think for him too, it was just the first, you know, dozen or certain, not almost 10 years almost were, you know, brutal. Uh, and he was playing behind, you know, some of the worst lineups in the world. I was like, not the same situation, but point being, I guess it's a team. Like anytime I'm up and they're on, I'm hundred percent watching it. Um, and then going on Twitter and like watching, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's like, is there a more self-loathing group in the world than like Oilers Twitter? No. And, uh, he should ask out like now <laughs> like, it's, if, if I, I, I think he's going to stay, but I, he really should ask out this summer. He should be in a big market. The NHL needs it. Not Arizona. But yeah. Anyway, how are you? How are you guys doing post Jack Eichel situation? I know it was stressful. I feel like shit that. about it, um, mostly because uh, not because of the financial rep- replications of, <laughs> of buying a billboard, but because I I, <laughs> I, 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 I said this earlier on this podcast. But uh, I do think the Rangers thought they had it done. I think they thought they had it in hand, and I thought I think they thought they had it in hand when they traded Pavel Buchnevich for peanuts. Um, and then the Buffalo owner was like, absolutely not. No way. You're not going to New York no matter what. Don't care. Don't care who you are. Don't care what you're offering. Don't care if it's the better package. We want give us Kako and Lafreniere or go, go F yourself. Um, and now, you know, plenty of people have told me or re- rather yelled at me. You know, this guy's career is going to be totally different. He's going to be changed. It's February 7th. He's wearing a no con. He's wearing a, He's playing full contact. He's going to be great. He's going to be awesome. And he's going to be awesome for years. So, it kind of sucks. The Rangers are Rangers are obviously in a really good situation right now. Um, they signed me because of Jeff for a long term, and he's been red hot, uh, which is good. But uh, in the long term, I think having Eichel on this team really changes the entire prospects of uh, of the entire future. Yeah, because to your to the to the more direct question, I think you're asking Jesse is that the New York Rangers are still very clearly a top six potential forward short, and while it finally seems like they're finding something with Lafreniere playing with. Uh, Zibanejad and Kreider, and we have anecdotal evidence to suggest that Kako has played his best hockey playing with Strom and uh, Panarin. That's all great and good. We need Kako to get healthy, but even with those players back, the Rangers, you can't win with two lines, especially with how bad the Rangers have been at five on five this year. But it, it is also getting to a point now where you have to ask the question of have the Rangers been bad at five on five just because they're a player short 
or have they been bad on five on five this year? Because that's kind of the plan. Um, and I, I think they need to answer that question, ask themselves internally, but where I sit, I don't really trust that answer. So I'm just trusting they bring in, uh, say, I don't know, a guy who has a famous affinity for hot dogs that may have had success playing third line in Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You want that? Yeah, we actually do. I, for the for the entertainment, I would absolutely. Okay, I'll give you that though. I mean, it's you're not going to get anything funnier than that. The funniest thing I've ever seen in my life was when Phil Kessel came back from winning the Stanley Cup. Right, shows up to camp. And first question he gets is, "Hey Phil, how was your summer? What did you do?" And his answer is, "Oh, same old shit." I think it's hundred percent a serious answer. Like serious answer. That's what you get. Yeah, I won the cup, like eight hot dogs out of the cup on a golf course. Same old shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we as sports fans forget that. First of all, Phil Kessel still has an affinity for putting pucks in the back of the net, which will help the New York Rangers and would help just about any hockey team. But then second, but, that like these guys just need to be fucking entertaining sometimes. And Phil Kessel is highly entertaining. But you, the crux of what you just said, though, if you have to think about this piece, is that you guys aren't very good at five on five. That is not going to help. That's not going to help. <laughs> it's not going to help. Like, you talk about just total black hole defensively. Like, it is and, – and, like, you know, I think you could live with it if the environment is right, right? Like, you have to have the right environment for it um, because the impacts are – shots are going to go up in certain areas, right? But you're going to hemorrhage them in other areas, uh, and you're probably going to be a net negative. So your hope well, is let me, let me, the goal I'll, scoring I'll push back on the offsets. Let me push back on the net negative because if there's one area I'm pretty sure the New York Rangers can afford to be a little bit black holish, uh, I have faith Igor Shostarkin will make up the difference. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you guys like, have it, the luxury of it, being it, able to it's, rely on it's that. Not like, yeah, it, it's not like I'm, I'm expecting Alexander Georgiev to go up there and win me a seven-game series. As, if Igor's not healthy, I don't really have to worry about where the New York Rangers are going because it's nowhere. So if I'm bringing in a player that's going to be a problem defensively, at least I'm a team that employs Adam Fox, and at least I'm a team that employs Igor Shosturkin. So yeah. I'm I'm feeling okay in that regards. On top of the added humor benefit, you may have a winner. Yeah, that's fair. Kessel, I'm just saying, I just Kessel, feel like as soon as he gets out of Arizona, younger. dude, he's going to be back in shape. Like, that's just the way it Listen, is. Listen, Jesse, if you want to do one-for-one one Alexander Georgiev for Kasperi Kapanen, I think you can talk Ranger fans into that. You could. I'm going to need a couple. couple I'm going to need a little bit sweeten that pot up for me a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah, gotta, okay, you can also you can also give us a second round pick. Host. Yeah, and we'll I can't give disrespect you disrespect the ghost of Jim Rutherford, who by the way got fired or not fired, had an unceremonious departure from Pittsburgh midseason because he couldn't build a hockey ops department, and then goes to Vancouver and builds the greatest hockey ops department anybody's seen in the last ten years. What is going on here? Very can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, we can talk about it because no, I didn't have to. I just wanted to. Well, we really wanted to exploit it. the old hockey ops of Vancouver and uh, take advantage of them for Elias Pettersson in the future. And that's not going to be a case anymore. Yeah, it's not happening. None of, yeah, we're, we're, that ship has sailed. Do not like. Do not like. Jesse, thanks so much for joining us. Any final thoughts? Uh, none. I mean, looking forward to, you know, the end of the month when we can start you know, packing these games in like, a, you know. Uh, it would be a real smorgasbord of hockey here. Oh, I, I have one more conversation I want to have with you. Yeah. Because uh, this is one that I, I set Twitter aflame with today. How many players away do you think your team is? Uh, probably one. Yeah, probably one. I think the Penguins, and I think the analytics back me up on this. I think they're, if you take the group, the tier 
of your best cup winners, right? Your top tier cup winners, they're at the very bottom of that tier, uh, analytically speaking. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think that they, Kapanen is, I can't undersell how bad he's been, right? And I think what struggle is right now is they don't have any balance for Evgeny Malkin at all. They've, they've given him a verifiable merry-go-round of players to try to make something work. So if they had another top six forward that was, a, had a little bit of magic there and could produce on that second line, I think that would be the piece in addition to backup goaltender. So I'll say two, probably two, a forward and a goaltender uh, would probably put them in a much more comfortable position. I just think there's a, for most of the, let, let's use the East for an example. Just, oh, you already talked about how there's eight teams locked in. A lot of those teams to me are, are only one or two players away. And I, I've seen a lot of Ranger fans say there were three or four, all that. I really just think we need like a right wing defense, uh, right wing, a right wing player who can score legitimately. And then maybe like one bottom six guy. And we're like kind of good to go. I, I don't, I think that's it. Whereas I, there anybody else that's outside of the playoffs, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of people, not the Islanders, a couple moves away until, until that really happens. But I, I think this is one of those years where it's kind of wide open. If you have, you know, just a hot goalie and you have Adam Fox, I just don't see why shoring up getting those two guys. Like that's, that's enough to win a cup. I don't know why people don't understand that. I think the problem is though, too, is that all those aforementioned eight teams are probably looking to outside of goaltending, I think, which is unique to the Penguins are probably looking to upgrade similar things uh, and are looking for similar types of players. And I wonder if they're not going to all be in competition for each other for that same small pool. Uh, and I think potentially we might be in a situation and we get to the deadline where absolutely nothing happens at all. And we've gotten kind of used to that over the last couple of years, but in this particular case, absolutely nothing happens at all because everybody's sort of just frozen their own prices and um, driven their markets up. So I mean, that's, I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen is we all, everybody stands pat and we all get bored. Uh, TSN, you know, is playing videos of like, you know, 1984 trade deadline tapes because we don't well, have anything else to do. I got some I got some good news for you, Jesse. The trade deadline this year comes immediately after the opening weekend of March Madness, so we won't be bored. We'll, there you go, perfect. We'll have, yeah. we'll have some we'll have some entertainment that the NHL could possibly not foresee when they planned on having the trade deadline on March twenty first. West Ham will probably West Ham will probably still be in the FA Cup by then too. Brett, no, so. you fucking won't, Jesse. <laughs> first of all, I'm looking at the fifth round matchup here. You know there are only two Premier League v Premier League matchups. One is Liverpool Norwich, which shouldn't even count. It doesn't and count. The other is Southampton West Ham. Yeah. Well, Brett, every uh, did, other Premier didn't, League uh, team has a. Didn't uh, Brentford play a Premier League matchup last week? I'm pretty sure they did. Everton? They might have, but who cares about Brentford? I'm You're sorry. not a Brentford fan. Shut I, the fuck up. I like I'll Brentford. tell you who cares about Brentford is every single person in Iceland. Really? Oh, because uh, Ericsson. Yeah. Ericsson. Yeah. Yes, makes sense. Is he Iceland? He's Iceland, right? No, yeah. he's he's da- he's Danish. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, I was about to say Iceland That's doesn't close. make sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you had you had the surname right, so I can't really blame you on that front. Anyway, for that, that was talking soccer. Love you guys. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us. You can follow me on uh, uh, Twitter or I mean, you can follow Greg at Blue Break. You can follow Jesse at J, uh, J Marsh O F J Marsh F O F. I got gotcha. And then uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, Jesse, any parting shots? None. That's it. Beautiful. Love you guys. Bye. And I want to take this time to thank our special NHL Insider Patreon subscribers who keep this podcast going every single week in the NHL Insider Discord chat. Get all those hot scoops every single week from us. And also, we have a lot of fun Ranger conversations. That is for sure. Uh, now let me butcher all their names. Wonderful. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cartulo, Adam Keach, Admin, Alex Carter, Amber Cohensberger, Austin Beetleman, 
Barbie Chris, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Mickey Malone, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brett, Brian Gallagher, Broadway Blue Shirt Bleeder, Chris Finelli, CJ Stellwagen, Dennis Dazen. Why do I call him Dennis? Why do I do that? Daniel Dazen, uh, David Narodin, Dennis Dites. There we go. Darian. Eric Carlson says, Hank forever. I agree, by the way. Eric Stagg, Garrett Gardner, a cup, Gretzky, Gareth McFly, Handel, Harrison Hasco, Hip Hopper 89, Jake Berkowitz, Jerry Marquez, JD, Jamie Mack, John Hardesty, Justin Friedman, Justin Starr, Christopher Florida, Christoph Berg, Lazy Grokowski, Lou Giordano, Lucas K, Matthew Kine, Max Nielsen, Mike Bucklaw. Happy engagement. Uh, pa uh, Pascal Perry, Eric, pa Pavel Kojarev, Randy Tesser, Stephen Lomayer, Stig Bulbach, Swine Gart. And we're coming he, uh, on the coming Jesus on the last part of this the drop PK Thomas Welsh, Tommy Sinclair, Tom Ertz Jr., Tommy O'Neill, Terry from Manhattan, Upstate Vin, Vinny Bronco, Vinny Hay, Will Specter. Cannot thank you enough. I'm very happy to have Rangers hockey back. I need it back. Uh, we have I, I still I, it's only the seventh as I'm recording this. How is this possible? Rangers have a lot to do, a lot of options to explore. Uh, very fun times. Uh, stay tuned, everyone. And I will see you guys later this week on BSB OT. Love you guys. Bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.